welcome to the Natural Health 365 podcast, natural solutions for everyday problems. Are you looking for natural health solutions? Visit naturalhealth365.com for a free subscription to our newsletter, free shows, plus some great gifts. And now, here's your host, Jonathan Landsman. All right, thank you for joining us. Our show today, Improve Your Energy, The Cellular Solution. Obviously, we're all going to age. But does that mean we're supposed to naturally lose our energy as well with each passing year? This is an important question because without energy, there is no life. In addition, it's important to realize that avoiding disease symptoms will be nearly impossible if we don't correct low energy levels in the body. Simply put, the key to great health and longevity is directly linked to the energy of our cells. Today on the Natural Health 365 podcast, we'll be speaking to a leader in the field of age-related diseases like cancer, diabetes, heart disease, plus many neurodegenerative disorders like dementia. The research is very clear. We can eliminate the threat posed by low energy levels, excess body weight, body fat in particular, reductions in lean muscle mass, low-grade chronic inflammation, plus many other immune-related health problems. And like I always like to say, it all begins with the right information. Before we meet our special guests, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Live On Labs, makers of the highest quality nutritional supplements on the market. The difference is in the delivery system. To learn more, visit liveonlabs.com. That's L-I-V-O-N-L-A-B-S.com. And now, please join me in welcoming Warren Cargill to our show. Warren, welcome. Thank you, Jonathan. I really look forward uh, to sharing some information with your audience about the mitochondria today. Sure, uh, me as well. I, I feel like this is a very important topic. I don't think the mitochondria really gets enough attention, even though, you know, I guess it's so important, right? And it is so basic. Perhaps that's probably why it's overlooked so much, but talk about what exactly the mitochondria is and why are they so important? Well, the the mitochondria are uh, organelles, and organelles uh, is small bodies, and they're small bodies within the cell. And for example, a a skin cell may have like 100 mitochondria in it. And the function of the mitochondria is to produce uh, ATP, adenosine triphosphate. And that is fundamentally the energy currency of the body. That is what drives all of the cellular processes within our body. So, you know, just to give you an example of the importance of this with, you know, heart muscle, for example. A heart muscle cell is called a cardiomyocyte. And it can have anywhere from five to 8,000 mitochondria in there producing ATP to drive the 24-hour-a-day expansion and contraction of the heart. So I'm just curious, what would you say are some of the simple ways that we can increase mitochondria energy output? You know, this is important because obviously if it's within every cell, and this is really critical for our cellular energy, we want to know, how can we increase that output? Right. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I mean, in the book, there are like four simple things that uh, that we recommend, that I recommend, that can be started today, as soon as you hear the podcast. And the first one is uh, breathing. 
And so, for example, the mitochondria are like little uh, internal combustion machines, and they require oxygen for this uh, process of con- making ATP. So using the example of right now I'm sitting at my desk, but for those people who sit at their desk most of the day, what happens is um, it drives hypoxia. In other words, hypoxia would be like shallow breathing, where you're not using the full breathing in fully, and that drives hypoxia, which is low oxygen content. And the consequence of that, a low oxygen content, it starts creating reactive oxygen species within the mitochondria, which is basically infl- inflammatory processes. So that that's the first thing that's really important is just breathing, <laughs> being conscious of your breath. The second thing would be um, exercise, and the mitochondria need exercise, not, you know, rigorous exercise, but uh, they need, you know, just whether you're walking or bicycling, that's fine. If you're doing something more strenuous, that's fine also. But basically what that drives is biogenesis, which is reproduction of new mitochondria, and it also kind of cleans out your engine, the mitochondria, so to speak. If If there's excessive nutrients sitting in the mitochondria electron transport chain that get those cleared out and again it reduces the reactive oxygen species the inflammatory process so that's the uh, second thing the third thing here and this is probably the most important point is the mitochondria can uh, use several different energy sources to produce atp and the two ones that traditionally used are either sugars or carbohydrates and uh, or fats. So, for example, for every unit of sugar that you put in, you're going to get two units of ATP out of the mitochondria. However, for every unit of fat that you put in, you're going to get like 32 units of ATP out. So, right there, I mean, that's just like a phenomenal, if we're talking about energy, you really want to, the mitochondria really like fats. And they're, you know, it's good quality fats, but it can be, you know, fats from meats, fats from fish, fats from coconut oil, avocados, olive oil, things like that. Just good quality fats. And it produces a lot of energy. And, and finally, the last thing is that we look at caloric restriction. So when I say that, I mean that. It, you would be looking at maybe if you're at 2,600 calories a day, you would be looking at moving down to about 2,000 calories a day or 2,200 calories a day. And specifically, that addresses the excessive nutrients that are in the mitochondrial electron transport chain, which cause inflammation. Those are the four things that you could start today to improve your mitochondrial performance. You know, Warren, it's so interesting. At the beginning, I already took so many notes about understanding what you were talking about with breathing. What a simple concept so often overlooked. For example, the person at sedentary or they're at work, they're sitting around, and all of a sudden they experience that sleepy feeling, the brain fog. Yep. But then what happens is most people are saying to themselves, Oh, I had a long day. Oh, I didn't sleep well. Oh, this and that. It's usually something that they're attributing it to, but rarely, at least in my opinion, I mean, I'll get your feedback on it, rarely does someone ever just say, hey, wait a minute, before I was okay, now, you know, 45 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half later, whatever it is, now my cells are getting inflamed 
I'm actually experiencing right at this moment cellular toxicity. And the way to prove that goes into your second step, which is where you said exercise. But in all honesty, the way I looked at what you were saying, all you got to do is get up, move around. You're in an office. You're not going to change into your shorts and go for a workout for an hour or two. But just get up, shake around, go to the bathroom so no one sees you, jump up and down, stretch and wiggle the arms and wiggle the legs and, you know, pat your stomach and maybe pound on it a little bit and breathe. And just all of a sudden, you're giving the cells a flush and now you're not so sleepy. I mean, that's what proves what you're saying is true, right? Yeah, it's it's really, I mean, it's just like, as you said at the front, it's like the mitochondria are just so fundamental to our physiology, our, to our life, but yet, I mean, they, they really haven't been talked about very much. I'm an old timer, uh, or at least I give it away when I always bring this up. I talk about a topic that I feel is overlooked, but it's like Rodney Dangerfield, the comedian, the old comedian should be coming in now. One of his famous lines was, hey, I get no respect. Well, you know what? It's the mitochondria gets no respect, and it's absolutely crucial to life. So listen, as we continue this conversation just for a couple minutes, we hear a lot about ATP or energy, you know, and all of this in basic science classes. Most of us have got that. Can you give us a better understanding, though, about ATP? Talk about it a little bit the way you like to. If you were to take a cross-section of a mitochondria, what you would see is like it looked like a little worm, and it would have all these baffles in there. Uh, and this, and I mentioned the electron transport change. So this is where it gets totally, you know, interesting. What's happening here is this, this is almost like something that's occurring in your body at the quantum level. And, you know, there's, uh, through these chemical processes, electrons are being uh, stripped away, and it goes through these little baffles, which are dams, and it begins to build a charge. And then finally, that, that charge is coupled with some phosphate, and it becomes like a, a triphosphate, and, and that's what, where the energy is. I mean, you know, if you remember in, in science, like when they would ignite phosphate, it'd burn really brightly, and there'd be a lot of energy given off. And so that's the, at the level that we're talking about, but it's happening at an a electron level where these, this energy, this charge is being built by these, um, by the mitochondria as it passes through these little baffles within the, or dams, however you want to look at them. So that's how the adenosine triphosphates gets, you know, energized. And then there's a process where once the energy's been depleted, it comes back in again and goes through the whole process once more through the mitochondria of recharging it. Warren, I want to talk in a couple minutes about the importance of breathing just a little bit more because, again, I guess so closely related to mitochondria health. We're certainly, and again, how basic and important it is. Who would argue that point? But again, how overlooked breathing is in particular. And then let's also talk about fats as opposed to sugars and carbs for energy production. We're going to get into a couple other things as well. Exercise, which is a really big deal for me. I don't know if you know my background is in exercise physiology, exercise science, athletic training, all of this. So I'm really going to enjoy the end part of this program. And I know a lot of people are going to get stuff out of it. But first, I just want to thank our sponsor, Live On Labs makers of the highest quality nutritional supplements on the market. The difference is in the delivery system. To learn more, visit liveonlabs.com. That's L-I-V-O-N 
labs.com. Okay, Warren, so let's talk about the importance of breathing just a little bit more for our mitochondria health. What I really want to get to or maybe get into a little bit, and of course, anything else you want to add, are there different ways of breathing that deliver different results in terms of the value of breathing in and out only through your nose, keeping the lips closed, breathing in and out through the mouth, or perhaps a combination of taking that deep breath in through our nose and blowing it out hard or softly. I've noticed that And again, I don't have the title 100% right, but it was a significant impact on my athletic training and everything I tried to do when I was younger. There was a book called Breathe Play, and I thought it was super cool about how movement was connected to breathing as a function of improving your athletic, your physical output, so that if it was an easier exercise session you were having or training session, you would breathe a certain way, there'd be a certain rhythm to it. But as the intensity picked up, you became more aware of a quicker pace of breathing in and out. And it was just an incredible science of studying how breathing could help physical performance. So I'm wondering what your input is on all of this that I'm bringing up. Well, I mean, you know, the breath is fundamental. That's, you know, that's the first piece. But so let me just give you, I mean, a little bit more information to kind of richen the tapestry here that we're talking about. So so if you just think about when you're sitting at your desk, there, there's there's a little place where the chest kind of sinks in a little bit. Does that make sense to you? Like where, you, you know, you kind of, uh, the head moves forward, you know, the, the chest kind of right there around the sternum kind of sinks a little bit. So, so one of the important things, and that kind of what that means specifically is that you're only breathing in the upper one-third of your lungs. So when you're sitting, if you're sitting, you know, you're sitting and you're doing your work, but, you know, you've got to be really conscious of your posture there. And, you know, that's the way that you can kind of check that to notice if you've got that little place where the chest sinks in a little bit. So then, therefore, you are, you know, only using a third of the lung. But the, I mean, to kind of deepen it a little bit, what you have to think about is like what's happening when you're sitting. So you're sitting on your tailbone and that actually tilts, you know, that tilts the pelvis a little bit and it actually tightens the um, those longitudinal muscles there, I mean, the, the hamstrings. And so the, what that essentially does with those tightened muscles, then you're getting, you're, you're reducing the lung content, the oxygen content, but you're also tightening the hamstrings, which what that drives is hypoxia specifically in the, in the joints, in the knee joints. And so over time, what you start seeing is issues in your knee joints. It becomes, you know, painful. You're getting issues, which is because the the knees, because of the distance from the heart, they're already existing in kind of a low oxygen content. But when you're sitting here with those hamstring muscles tightened, it further restricts the flow of nutrients into the mitochondria, starting to even damaging. So. There are just a whole host of cascading issues that begun to come up here that you have to look at just at that first step of breathing. You know, Warren, I just want to jump in for a second. I am so excited, especially after just listening to what you said. You know, I'm about to, in the very near future, change my office environment. And again, for anyone who 
doesn't want to do this. I think what you're saying alone is quite simple. You know, do some work, get up, stand up, be conscious when you're sitting to be more upright. That's all great. But I'm actually very excited about this new kind of desk, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with, where you can sit down and then you can actually have the desk move up where you're standing as well. And I'm just excited about having that as an environment for me because I think I'm going to tend to want to stand more and it just keeps the body more fresh and alert if I'm going to be there for a little bit step away, come back, different positions. Again, it's that movement and activity and different angles. I think that's what we're really designed to do. We're not designed to just be these machines sort of plugged into a desk and sitting there for hours and hours, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, you can do that, but you're going to pay the consequences. Right. So uh, can we talk? I mean, obviously, another thing is, of course, the words are thrown around all the time. You did touch on them a little bit earlier, but I'd like to get a little bit more into it about this whole idea of fats as opposed to sugars and carbs for energy. I mean, I think most people out there, Warren, kind of identify with the idea, hey, my God, you know, I need sugars. I need carbs for energy. I'm just not going to feel right. Or the other way around, I need fats. But it really is that blend that I think is important. And I also like the point that you already touched upon, which is no matter what you're talking about, sugars, carbs, however you want to call it, protein, fats, that they should be clean. It should be as non-toxic as possible. Fresh, real foods, so important because along with the fats, proteins, carbs, sugars, whatever you want to say, if you're not conscious of that, boy, are you buying into literally and figuratively, you're buying into so much toxicity that is going to pour into your body from choosing the wrong kind of foods. Isn't that true? Oh, that's absolutely true. I mean, that is totally true. So, I mean, clean foods is just fundamental. And, uh, you know, the, the thing, the difference between sugars and carbs and fats, I mean, we generally what we advocate here in the clinic is, you know, moving towards, especially if someone is dealing with some of the age-related diseases. I mean, we're definitely going to recommend moving toward more of a, uh, you know, higher fat diet at that level. And, you know, one of the other things I want to mention, just so you can see uh, the importance of the mitochondria, is just think, you know, any kind of brain activity going on, all your thoughts, all, you know, all the neurons passing down your nerves, everything, all of that is being driven by ATP, i.e. by mitochondria. So there's high mitochondrial, act, you know, populations within the brain, and that's what drives all the uh, nerve activity and all your thoughts and everything. Uh, ATP. So, I mean, and, uh, you know, back to the brain again, the brain has its own private reserve of fats in the, in the context of cholesterol. So fats are really important to the mitochondria. Fats are really important to the brain activity. Warren, I want to be uh, very upfront about this, and it's sort of like a, a warning to all my listeners. I hope you really appreciate where I'm coming from, and Warren, I definitely want your input on this. When we talk about fats, right, I've had people talk about the keto diet and lots of fats, okay, in your diet, healthy fats, yada, yada, yada. It's fine. I'm not putting it down. It's, I think it's terrific. I think there's value to it. Or if we talk about somebody who's talking about a plant-based diet, I've had people like that in as well. I want people to keep in mind that when they hear 
from you or anybody else, or from me, even high-quality fats. It's so important. You know, coconut oil, as an example. We're talking about two, three tablespoons for an entire day. We're not talking about chowing down to half a jar of coconut oil every day. Nobody, right, everybody would laugh, right? But then it's the same thing with chicken or grass-fed beef and stuff. We're not talking about having bacon at breakfast and then a turkey sandwich for lunch with no bread. Of course, we'll just have the turkey and stuff on, right? And all of this stuff, that, and then we'll have a steak for dinner. And hey, Warren and Jonathan said healthy fats are important. Here I go. But let's not forget two other concepts that are so important for cellular energy and optimal health. And I just want to throw it out and then get your feedback. We're talking about staying well hydrated. And if you do the mistake of not also incorporating the calorie restriction concept and you start overeating, whether it's the best quality carbs or fat and protein, and you couple that, especially if you're leaning towards not a plant-based diet, but more animal foods like eggs and bacon and turkey and chicken and steaks. If you're overeating all that and you're dehydrated at the same time, plus you're now 50, 60, 70 years old, you're dealing with all kinds of health issues, you're taking medications. Oh my God, Warren, I just painted a picture of somebody who's gonna suffer even if they're eating the best quality, excessive amounts of high fat. You know what I'm saying. I just want to get your feedback, please. Yeah. Well, I mean, just, you know, like the fourth issue was caloric restriction. So that's, that's the takeaway there is just really, you've got to reduce the calories. I mean, cause it causes such, so many other issues, but you know, again, to bring it back to what's happening in the mitochondria, every time you're exhaling, if you, you know, if you exhaled in front of a mirror, you're going to fog up the mirror. And what that is, is water, the moisture that's coming from the mitochondria in your body. That's where all that water is coming from. And so water is is the byproduct of the mitochondrial production. You know, needs the oxygen and then the byproduct is the water, which gets exhaled or expelled on your on the exhale. So, you know, if you're not hydrating yourself, I mean, that's going to drive all kind of little problems there. And again, it's going to drive the inflammatory processes and it's going to create more reactive oxygen species in the body, which, you know, are the initiating causes here. So absolutely, Jonathan, what you're saying is totally so important is that is, you know, overeating is the epidemic here in our country today. And I just want to throw out something else. I, I just, I love this conversation, Warren. I think what you're bringing out highlighting the mitochondria is a great way of giving people feedback, you know, getting that little mental imagery, if you will, of that organelle, that little thing inside of our cells and how it's literally swimming in toxins and dehydrated and polluted with all kinds of stuff and suffocating and not functioning well versus the other kind of mitochondria that could be really highly charged with great nutrition and a good amount of fluid hydrating the cell and great respiration where oxygen and fluids are coming in and waste products are going out in a very smooth and effortless way. This is the picture of sickness or health. And what I wanted to bring up for people based on what you just said, Warren, talking about breathing out and losing water, talk about an overlooked concept. How about five, six, seven, eight, nine hours a night laying in bed 
losing all that fluid. And then, hey, guess what? We wake up the next morning, hours and hours, and we don't pay enough attention. I say we as a society. Hopefully, most of the people listening to the show, that's not true. But for me personally, it's go to the kitchen, 16 to 20 ounces of highly nutritious, low-calorie beverage, meaning a water. I've got my pure synergy. Mix it in. I put in a little vitamin C powder. I mean, we're talking about liquefied, highly charged nutrition, medicinal mushrooms, herbs, dried sea vegetables are in there as well. It goes on and on what's all crushed into this powder that I throw into water, stir it up, and drink it down. This is a great way of rehydrating the body And I feel like so many people need that, which would then trigger the fact that they need to have a bowel movement and to urinate and to get waste products out afterwards. I mean, there's just so many things related to this that absolutely will greatly improve your health. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yes. I mean, again, it's like, you know, when I wrote the book, I was totally excited because it just it just kind of like it just blew me away how important and fundamental the mitochondria are to our health and well-being. So let's uh, get into the exercise part. That's going to be fun. I know you'll want to add something else, but let me just take a quick break and thank once again, because without them, this wouldn't be possible. Our sponsor, Live On Labs, makers of the highest quality nutritional supplements on the market. The difference is in the delivery system. To learn more, visit liveonlabs.com. That's L-I-V-O-N-L-A-B-S.com. And Warren, Please forgive me. I know I cut you off probably a little bit. You can add on if you like now, but then I also would love to talk about how exercise fits into all of this. But go ahead, Warren. One thing I did want to follow up on was the the comment about sleeping. The issue here is that sleeping... um, you know, drives the the neurodegenerative diseases. And so, so just to give you a little insight into that, probably like in 2015, they discovered that amazingly enough, the lymphatic system did not just end at your neck, but it extends up into your brain. And the only time the lymphatic system uh, is active is when you're sleeping. And the sole function is to remove uh, debris and uh, waste products from the brain. And for, for, you know, for those who understand that, like the neurodegenerative diseases one of the fundamental factors there is amyloid plaque buildup in the brain, which starts the process. So, you know, here we have the mitochondria producing energy. They're also, you know, in some instances, they're producing reactive oxygen species and debris and inflammatory processes. If you're not sleeping well at night, you're not removing that crap. <laughs> Very important point. Also, for those concerned about dementia, I know I mentioned so many different ailments at the beginning. It's <laughs> catch somebody's attention for sure. But I don't say it lightly, Warren. I mean, my God, the brain is detoxifying in the evening. If we're up late, we're looking at stressful stuff. And then on top of that, we're eating or drinking the the stuff that really we shouldn't be doing or anything for that matter, even high quality food at 11, 12, one o'clock in the morning. I mean, you, you know, it's an uphill battle to allow the brain to detoxify. And on top of that, the larger issue of just allowing for at least a few hours uninterrupted for our cells to regenerate, to focus on that so that we can really go after things the next day. Right. 
Yep, it's that's so fundamental there. And you know, I whenever I I talk to patients and they come in and tell me that they have to have this TV to go to sleep with, meaning they they fall asleep with the TV on, and you know, it's really uh, that's uh, it makes me feel sad about you know what's happening to them at night. It's so true. I've heard so often that people. I mean, it, it's really sad that it's like company. And I tell you, there's nothing like the quiet to figure things out and the wireless technology as well. That's a whole other world between the last 10, 20 years. People have fallen asleep too close to wireless routers and cell phones next to their head. I mean, I know the kids out there listening. Again, all due respect to you, to all of them out there. My daughter's in her late 20s. I mean, all you people in your 20s, it's like you're being raised with having a cell phone as an alarm clock and literally close to their pillow. I mean, this is an electrically overly charged nervous system that even if you feel exhausted and you go to sleep, you're never getting that really true restful solid sleep that people may not even know what I'm talking about because they never experienced it, you know? Yeah, you're just talking about a whole new book there, Jonathan. <laughs> I mean, you know, to comment on what's happening at, with our younger generation with the, the cell phone technology. You know, I want to go over a little bit. I know we cut off at 30 minutes usually, but hey, this is just so important. How does exercise fit into all this weightlifting, aerobic exercise? You know, you hear so much about this interval stuff. I'll be quite frank with you. I know full well okay, without going into too much, the value of interval training and high-intensity training and what it does to the physiology for hours and hours, if not days afterwards. I get all of that, but I try to keep my feet on the ground in terms of people with chronic fatigue, stage one to stage four cancer, cardiovascular disease brewing inside, diabetes, you know, type two diabetes. I mean, the list goes on and on with all kinds of metabolic dysfunction. We're going to tell people to start, you know, sprinting and then walk, sprint, walk, and an overdoing exercise, that's a real problem in and of itself. So in the context of all of that and speaking more to the people that really want their energy to go up and they've got all kinds of issues out there quite possibly, how does exercise in your mind, Warren, fit into all of this? Well, I mean, as I said, I'm not suggesting strenuous exercise, anything like that. I'm, I'm dealing with, we wanted to make something that was usable right now for people. And you know, usable is stepping out of your door and taking a walk in your neighborhood. Or usable is, you know, getting on your bike and doing a mile, you know, right. Anything that we can do to kind of help make that bridge, that gap where, you know, from someone who's not doing too well or does it doesn't feeling, a, you know, very much momentum to move to, you know, some intermediate step here. If you're already doing strenuous exercise, you know, muscle tough, right? But if you're, if you're, in that place where you're not, this was primarily who I was writing the book for, is to try to help them. And but when I say help them, giving them the really strong reasons of why that what this will do for you, not only for you know for your your mental alertness, but also for your you know how your longevity and for your health overall. I mean, you know you, you don't want to be you know you don't want to live a long time and be sick you know the last 15 or 20 years of your life you know. What you really want to do is live a long time and have a healthy life during that period. And these are the steps that you can do. So I'm not saying anything that really makes it difficult for anybody to follow. And Warren, rightfully so. I'm going to make this message super targeted to the people out there with adrenal fatigue, chronic fatigue, however you want to put it. 
serious health issues, incredible mental and emotional anxiety and stress out there. I'm speaking right to you right now because that's my focus today. When it comes to exercise, you're going to need to do something that you're terribly uncomfortable with. And I'm going to tell you exactly what it is. Number one, just get out and do it every single day. And number two, even far more difficult than that, is the fact that you're going to have to accept that the exercise intensity that you have to do is actually quite easy. Now, that's going to throw people off a little bit like, oh, what do you mean? And I literally know from experience years, over 30 years in the health and fitness industry, that when someone starts to feel good and they're in energy fatigue issues, all of a sudden, their mind kicks in and says, well, my goodness, I have to do more, but I dread it. I'm afraid. Well, guess what? I said to you before, the hardest thing you're going to have to do is stay consistent and keep it comfortable and enjoy the ride. Like, for example, when you go walk in a park or in your neighborhood, just walk comfortably with your mouth closed. Take deeper breaths in through your nose and maybe out through your mouth, through your nose, whatever. The intensity is that mild and relaxed that your lips can be closed the whole time. Take notice of the trees. Do a little forest bathing and go to a park with a lot of trees and really just take in that energy and, oh my God, will that improve my blood pressure? Will that improve my heart? Will that get my legs stronger going that easy? Jonathan, come on, don't take it easy on me. Give me the truth. And that's what I keep saying to you. This is easier than you think and you're going to have to accept that. And you know what? That's tough for a lot of people with a Western mindset of more has to be better, Warren. You know what I mean? Right. I totally know what you mean. That was beautiful what you said about, you know, walking and breathing. I mean, and looking around and seeing the, the landscape that we exist in here and appreciating it. And I, I want people to really appreciate where I'm coming from. I am not making light of this. And I come from a heavy, heavy athletic training background with college scholarship athletes, kids that wanted to get those athletic scholarships where fitness is the goal and more is better, faster speed and lifting more weight and football players and lacrosse. I get it. Believe me, I get it more than you can imagine. But that is not the focus of today's podcast. And you need to get over this idea of no pain, no gain. The concept is all gain, no pain. That's important to understand. Or no pain, all gain. Pick the way you want to put it, but that's the kind of exercise we're talking about. And Warren, as we close out, another two, three minutes, whatever you like, any herbs or supplements that you like to increase energy, we are not suggesting that take rhodiola and your life will be better, ashwagandha, and that's going to change your life. We're not suggesting that, but please go right ahead, Warren. What are some of the ones that you like that are supportive for a good quality energy throughout the day? Yeah, so uh, L-carnitine. Generally, I use like a, a liquid L-carnitine, and that's one of the primary transporters of fat into the mitochondria. So 
that would be one thing to consider. CoQ10, and you know, there's probably a ton of literature out there already about the effects of uh, statins on CoQ10, but the heart needs uh, CoQ10 and the mitochondria need the CoQ10 for the third phase of the electron transport chain to move those high energy electrons into the ATP. So that's totally important. Uh, the next one would be D-ribose. If you've got cardiovascular issues, low energy issues, D-ribose is fundamentally used for the contractile function in the heart to push the blood out. And it's a, an internal process to make that. It's a slow process. So if you have heart conditions, if you have had heart conditions, you want to consider the D-ribose. And then the final issue is magnesium. We generally we use like a magnesium glyconate, but the issue there is to I mean the the mitochondria contract the muscles. They also you know allow the muscles to relax, and that relaxing process is driven by magnesium. And that's generally people are low in magnesium, so we want to be able to allow the heart specifically and all the other muscles to relax. Those are four supplements. And Warren. If anybody wanted more information about you and, of course, to get the book, which is right in front of me here, please let them know where can they go. And, of course, we'll have a link on the podcast page. When you come to Natural Health 365, just click the podcast link, and then you'll find this one on improving your energy. You can just open up that podcast, and you'll have the link right there. But where can people go? Well, I mean, the book's available on um, on Amazon, uh, Your Mitochondria, Key to Health and Longevity. But it's also, we have a web dedicated website, the mitobook.com and there's a place to contact me if you have questions there on the website so it's the mitobook.com and you know we have a little free download for you if you want you know to get a little bit more information about the book and we also have those four supplements i just mentioned uh is a basic mitochondria protocol Warren, I say it all the time. I'm just amazed by all the people who are so incredibly generous with their time. I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us today. It was just terrific. I really mean it. Oh, Jonathan, it was a lot of fun, you know, talking with you. You've got a lot of great energy and enthusiasm for what you're doing, and I appreciate you having me. The show was brought to you by NaturalHealth365.com. Are you looking for natural health solutions? Visit NaturalHealth365.com for a free subscription to our newsletter, free shows, plus some great gifts. Thank you for listening, and be sure to join us next week for another great show. 